When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's. With me, your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. What's popping, Tim? I am doing pretty damn good. I don't know about you, man, but these Celtics are fun to watch. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, Missoula ball turns out to be generational. The Celtics offense is clicking on all cylinders. You've got Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser and freaking Luke Cornett just absolutely tearing it up off the bench. Uh, guys, we're coming right off of this is right the day after the uh, Hawks game. So this was, I'll be honest, full, full disclosure before we get into the episode, I expected them to lose that game before it even began because they didn't have Marcus Smart. You didn't have Malcolm Brogdon. Um, obviously, they're still without Rob, but they swamped them. And it was a night where Tatum and Brown didn't shoot that great. And they still went out and they thumped them for 25 points. It was Hulk smash. Yeah. We got the green in the background. I was just playing <laughs> the voice in my head. Hulk smash. No, but seriously, it was a big time game. I came into it. Well, I didn't come into it. I woke up this morning expecting to see um, an, another number in the L color, but it didn't work. You know, but I still picked up that win. Best record in the NBA, best offense in the NBA, number one offensive rating in the league. And it's not just the starters that are doing it, it's the bench unit too. Before we get into anything further, please make sure if you're new here, you hit that subscribe button or you hit that like button. And anybody that's already following along with us or if you decide to follow along with us moving forward, make sure you turn those notifications on so you see each new episode drop. Getting close to that 1K, baby. Now... I mean, I'm so close, I can taste it. I can taste the monetization. I don't know if I want to know what monetization tastes like. It I tastes like, like it, happiness. I feel like it tastes very like metal, like irony. No, it's like it's like ice cream on a hot summer's day with all the sprinkles, dude. All right. I can roll with that. Or at least that's what <laughs> I imagine it to. That's like, that's like happiness, right? Like jokes aside, though, yeah, please make sure you hit those buttons. Uh, that'll do us a big favor. We're very close, guys. Just very, to make sure close. everyone knows as well, we are part of CLNS Media, so go and check out everything CLNS Media are doing. Okay, that's all the promo stuff back out of the way. Number one offense in the league, dude. Like, And it all comes from their off-ball screening actions. Anyone who follows me on socials, I'll have an article about that tomorrow. Anyone who follows me on socials, you would have seen that one I did about Sam Hauser on um, like vertical content earlier today, running floppy sets. And this is kind of something I want to put in there. Joe Mazzula has done excellent work in terms of featuring non-stars in the offense. 
So he ran a play for Sam Hauser, which was a, a floppy set, which anybody doesn't know, that's where you have like a stagger screen on the, on the weak side, a single screen on the strong side, where you have a shooter cut baseline and then he can either cut and then sprint over the one screen or cut full baseline and then curl over the stagger screen. It's designed to just get a shooter and open look, right? But you're featuring Sam Hauser, arguably the 10th guy in the rotation or, you know, maybe ninth. He should be seventh at this point, looking at like best plus minus in the league right now. But you're featuring that guy. You add him as you put him in screen to screen the situations. You ran stuff through Luke Cornet. You ran offense through Luke Cornet and it went well. Like Missoula's very uh remember a few years back when we had Brad Stevens and it was very much an everybody eats type of what was it? Um an egalitarian offense when it was like um Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, and during that. And, and Stevens was trying to find a way to get everybody involved and everybody had the equal opportunity. No, Joe Mazzulla was like, yeah, I saw you try to do that. It didn't work. This is how you do it. And now we're seeing the Celtics thrive. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of what he's done to this offense. And it's kind of crazy to see the team go from being so defensive oriented to being this lethal offensively. And I, I do have to credit these guys on an individual level because Sam Hauser wasn't playing like at all last year. And then you're going to go ahead and you see him do what he's doing now. Unbelievable jump. Like we've heard plenty of guys get all of this. Oh, they're amazing in practice. Like this guy's a knockdown shooter, lights out, incredible practice shooter. And then it never translates. Sort of talking about Aaron Neesmith there, but I digress. Sam Hauser is legitimate, like a legitimate sniper, a legitimate weapon. He goes out on the floor and he commands respect. I think he's had one game where he's shot less than 50% from three. I, it's something crazy like that because I think he shot five or six from the field last night against Atlanta. Every single time they bring him into the offense, it, it, it just changes things. And that shot is so fast. Like, I cannot begin to stress how fast that releases. And he's so confident. You never see any of these, like, bounce off the rim either. Even the misses look when that ball just drops through, it's clean. Like his shot is so clean. And it just changes things for this team. Like that this is something that they've needed for a long time. Peyton Pritchard now getting these minutes. He looks more comfortable too. And Luke Cornett was a perfect seven for seven. He's you've got to throw in like reverse dunks off of like alley oop attempts. It's insane what they're able to do right now. And it does, like, as you said, it just comes down to this ball movement. And, and the way that they're drawing up these sets for these guys, they're finding ways to get people open. And it's not just like, we're going to go ahead and drop a play for Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Yeah, you want to get those guys going. But if those guys don't got on a given night, the way that this team is moving right now, they're able to survive it. Atlanta is, what, now third in the East? I think they're third as I mean, of today I mean, right now. I the back of beating the, the Bucks. Yeah, and they beat the, the Bucks by like twenty four. The NBA right they now. won. They they won one twenty five to one hundred one, and then smack they lost to the Celtics one twenty six to one hundred one. So it's like you go ahead and you smack one of the teams that's supposed to be a favorite in the East, one of the favorites in the league to win a championship with the Anasanta Tacumpo with that Bucks team, and then you literally two days later you go ahead and you get smacked by Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, and Luke Cornett coming in there, and you don't even have what three of the top five, top six guys on the team weren't able to play, and you go ahead and you get smacked by that team, that should scare teams. Like, teams should be afraid of the Celtics right now because the, 
The depth is insane. Oh, no one rid- expected this. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, I want to kind of just give some thoughts on some things you said. Uh, first things that you said was like it's been a jump from Sam Hauser. I don't think it's been that much of a jump. I think that what we're seeing is the difference in coaching principles, right? So Udoka's coaching principle was very defense-oriented. So what that means is you can be one of the best three-point shooters on the planet, but if your defense isn't at a point where I believe you're going to be beneficial to a league-leading, you know, we want to make history defensively type rotation, you're not going to get minutes. Whereas Missoula is very much a fire away from deep and we're going to outscore teams is an offensive principal coach. And that gives Sam Hauser the opportunity to earn a role and show on defense then that, hey, I'm not actually as bad as what everybody thought I was going to be. And I do have like a ceiling of an average defensive NBA wing. So I don't, th- I think Sam Hauser is definitely taking the jump defensively because we saw him get beat quite a bit last season, especially with screen navigation. But what we're seeing now is difference in coaching principles is allowing him to kind of get that opportunity. I don't think he would have got this opportunity under Ime, period. I just don't think it would have been there for him. And that's kind of just, it speaks to the louder kind of spectrum of, hey, you, some players are genuinely better than what you see them perform. They're just, the situation matters. You know, opportunity and situation. You can get 20 minutes a night, but if you're in a system that doesn't accentuate what you do well, then it's just not the right fit for you. And that's why you see guys go from one team where they've been average or just below and then pop off at a new team and you're just like, mm-hmm. man, why didn't this work for us? Well, it was the same player. It's just a new situation, new system. And then the other thing you was kind of saying was, hey, they're, they're using Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they're not necessarily running all the offense through them. And one of the best thing, best ways you can look at that is the Celtics run a bunch of Spain pick and roll entries. So they're having that pick, the original pick and roll take place. Then you've got the back screener, which makes this like um, makes it to Spain pick and roll, right? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are usually that rip screener. They're setting that second screen, that back screen, then they're popping out. And what they're doing that for isn't because they want to shoot the three. I mean, it's great to be able to be like, man, the defense has closed in on me. I've got Jason Tatum wide open above the, you know what I mean? But it's more to be like, oh, well. We've got Derek White driving to the rim and we've got Jason Tatum popping off a rip screen to the perimeter. Someone's got to stay with Tatum so we can't flood the paint and Derek White's going to get you on his hip because he's got that little first step on him. And that's why Derek White was so successful. And just that's why a lot you're seeing a lot of these um, dribble drive penetrations really cause defenses so much problem because the two best players on the Celtics are being used as decoy screeners. And then, obviously, their release valves if the pressure does come onto them. So, yeah, Missoula ball is legit, bro. Like, legit, legit. And that leads us on to kind of what Adrian Wojnarowski said yesterday, right? Woj, uh, saying that he believes that at this point, that interim tag is kind of a formality, right? They've got to make, they've got to figure out how to part ways with Ime Udoka. I don't want to get into a discussion of whether Ime should coach again anywhere else. Like, that's somebody else to decide. That's not our job. But Missoula should definitely be the guy that takes the reins long term because if he can do this so quickly, what's he going to do in a year, two years, three years? And this offense at the minute, I'm looking at them like, is there a chance they could reach reach prime Warriors level offense? You know, because I don't think it's too far away. I think the, I see. I like I, that though. I think the off ball <laughs> movement needs to be be better. One of the key concepts to the Warriors was Steph Curry just doesn't stop moving. 
Clay Thompson is just a hammer screen nightmare. Someone sets a hammer screen, he, sh- he drops down into the corner, he lifts onto the wing. That movement, that adjustment there, making, getting guys moving off ball more, we're seeing it start to happen, but it needs to be at four or five levels better if we want to start looking at that type of Warriors, prime Warriors offense. And I think you really hit the um, nail on the head there, talking specifically about, I want to go back to player and development in terms of their environment. I have always been saying that players are a product of their environment and their situations. Um, and that's for better or worse. Now, with the Celtics and the way that things have gone with Joe Missoula, I, I got to give him, I, even if they weren't this prolific on offense, just looking at them from like a record standpoint and the situation that he came into, like they're, they're in the green right now in terms of the win column. And I just think that's so impressive considering the situation coming in subbing in for Ime Odoka, following a lot of this off-court drama going on. And this is following a finals appearance. Like the, the pressure was already really high for them to be good. And somehow they've exceeded that expectation with what they're doing right now. And yeah, with the, with the whole tag and everything, it, it's just a matter of trying to basically remove Ime from position, right? Like they can't go ahead and just give out the title because they're still sorting that stuff out. But I don't think there's any question that Joe Missoula should be coached now. And that, that's regardless of what you think of the email situation. That's, again, at this point, it's all conjecture until something actually happens with that. But I think that the Celtics feel very comfortable and confident in Joe Missoula. Clearly, the players do. They've bought in so fast. This is so much faster. When you think about last season with everything that happened with email, there was a point in time where the Celtics were really, really struggling. And the rotations weren't where you wanted them to be. There was a lot of figuring out what's going on with this defense. We're doing a lot of switching. Do we need to change that? How are you utilizing Rob? How are you utilizing Horford? Why do we keep you know, blowing these massive leads? And eventually things got clicking and they figured it out and they went on an absolute tear. And this year, it's I don't know if it's the finals appearance, if there's just growth from the players overall, but they've hit the ground running in such a massive way. And for them to buy in that fast. Joe Missoula was getting praised last year as an assistant. Like in the finals, he was getting in the playoffs from Jason Tatum saying, I love Joe. I love Joe Missoula. So he was getting this kind of love and it clearly just translated right away when he took over the helm. Because I, this is probably the hottest start I've ever seen from the Celtics. Like this is an insane start. And I don't even think that they've reached their full potential yet because there's just so much room for growth here. They still need to figure out everything defensively. That's a given. Part of that's also because they don't have Rob. But then you're adding that kind of player in that situation, a guy who's a lob threat, who helps you clean up massively in the offensive boards. That's going to be huge with just like tip passes. He's also another excellent passer adding into the situation. Your spacing is going to change a little bit, but I'm wondering how they kind of change the lineup around there because those starters, you could probably shuffle some people around. Doesn't maybe... Maybe you don't go with double bigs. Who knows? These are questions for the future, but it's stuff to be excited about because we know that this team can still improve. And even then, right now, they're sitting at a pretty 12-3 and as we have this recording going on. So I just, I don't see any world where Joe Mazzula doesn't deserve this. He's earned this right away, and I'm excited to see where they go from here with this. 12-3? and It sounds like happiness to me. It's insane. It's insane, man. Like, I still can't wrap my brain around it. I want to point this out as well. 
when Rob comes back, yeah, the spacing will change, but Rob is more than capable of being a perimeter, like five out big man because of that passing, right? It'd be completely different if Rob couldn't pass or he wasn't a good screener. But what we saw last season was Rob's great at screening and he times his slips really well, right? So he'll set a screen before that contact happens. Boom, he's off to the rim. You just got that over the top pass. You can throw it up there, go and get it, Rob. You know, it's in the air. That's your job. Put the jets on, go do your thing. We're seeing at the minute that the Celtics have kind of moved away from Derek White in that starting five. And they're kind of running with Grant Williams there, right? Could we see Horford move to the bench to, to take some pressure off his legs? And then it's Grant Williams and Robert Williams as you're starting four and five. Grant Williams has always been projected as the long-term Horford replacement. He's another guy that's having just a breakout year for the second year of running. That dude went on the weeks on the strong side corner, fake dribble handoff with Derek Rose, can dribble one step back, step three, and it drank. Dude, you understand like how much I love that possession? We wouldn't have seen that off Grant last year, scoring off the dribble. No, you was a catch and shoot guy, and that was your role. Catch the ball and shoot now. Cap off the dribble. You want to attack the rim? Fine. I'll go, I'll either post you up and drop step around you, or I'm going to hit the floater over you. I feel like Joe Mazzula, what he's done is empowered everybody to play their game, you know? But with Rob coming back, I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue spacing-wise because he might just put Rob as the rip screener or he might ask Rob to be the cross screener and cross actions, which the Celtics have been running. So I'm not too worried there. I do think that the rebounding will probably get better and the defensive rating will just skyrocket because Rob Williams, ideally, finding somebody else that's also a good defensive big wouldn't be a bad idea. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Luke Cornett was great. And I think as a third, like as your third backup, like we go Rob Williams, somebody else, then Luke Cornett. I'm cool with that. I think I'm with it. It's solid, right? Mm. And that leads us to that that um, Brian Windhorse report where it was uh, the Celtics have shown interest and shown interest in Jakob Pertl. Now, first of all, this isn't Danny Ainge showing interest where it's, hey, we offered... Peyton Pritchard and a 20, 2180 first round draft pick, just 160 years in the future. And they turned us down. We tried. It didn't work. No, it's not, not one of them. And this is Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens has shown a willingness to empty some of the rotation to bring in a significant upgrade. We saw it when he went for Derek White. We saw it again when he went for Malcolm Brampton. Jakob Pertl could be available to me. That's the ideal guy off the bench if Pertle's willing to play off the bench like defensively solid uh, true kind of San Antonio defense first make the right play make the right read mentality offensively he's just a pain in the butt to deal with he's long he's quite strong he's got like gangly arms so bony he's gonna elbow you out of the way um post moves are good you know solid screener right <laughs> I, I'm all in for Jakob Pertl, but how much truth there is to that? I mean, it's not coming from somebody that is a fake insider. This is Brian Windhorst. I kind of trust it. When he says someone's showing interest, I'm like, they're probably showing interest. What does he know? He knows something. Like, he wouldn't say that with no reason, right? I've started to started to actually trust Windhorst because he's been hitting lately, man. He's He's constantly, like, pulling these sources out. And we've talked about Pirtle before, but a lot of it came down to what are the assets that's going to take to get a guy like him here on top of does San Antonio want to part with him? 
Keep in mind, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. That's definitely going to factor into the plan because you've got to worry about Grant Williams' uh, restricted free agency. Then you got Al Horford. You got to figure out what he's going to want to get paid. I guess in my mind, if you want to get Pirtle and you can make it happen, I'm interested to see if it's just going to be a bunch of salary filler. Is it going to be a guy like Peyton Pritchard that gets thrown in there with like a pick? Uh, or is it a situation where you change the protections on the first rounder you already gave to the Spurs for Derek White? There's a lot of factors at play there, but the fact that there's even this kind of noise right now and they haven't gone ahead and we haven't seen any offers leaked, we're months away from the trade deadline, and the team is playing well. That kind of tells me something that there actually might be something there because this the team is playing great. So the fact is, is like they're looking to shore up a position that they are expecting will need to be shored up. Like the one thing that we've been talking about constantly now at this point is they could use another really solid starting caliber big man in case they need to rest Al Horford or Rob's got issues still. But the fact that it's coming out now, uh, my ears are perking up a little bit. I'm very interested to see if like they can make this happen. So I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the contracts that are on the Celtics right now. Yeah. So let's ignore Gallinari. Gallinari's not going anywhere. The Arctic's will be bad. I don't think it's actually possible. It's not. Yeah, Keith no. actually talk, talked about this in the Celtics blog chat because we, we're all kind of excited about this, but he can't be traded back to the Spurs because he was actually part of the deal that got DeJounte Murray to Atlanta. Gallinari got moved from Atlanta to the Spurs. They waived him, so he can't be reacquired. So the one I'm looking for right now is it's going to be like a, a Noah Varnley, Josh Jackson, uh, Peyton Pritchard, and then probably like Cabin Jelly, maybe if they convert him first. No, it wouldn't be Cabin Jelly, actually. It'd be like probably Blake Griffin. Uh, it's just going to be messy, right? Because they're not going to want to give up anyone. So basically, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Horford, Brogdon, Smart, White, Rob, and Grant are all safe. And Sam Hauser is safe. Anyone else? So those bottom one, two, three, four, five. Those bottom five guys push a two-two way guys are going to be where the trade happens. Now I'm not a trade guy. I'm a film guy. I'm an X's and O's guy. You want to talk trades? I'm not the right dude to do it with. But I'm assuming it's going to be three or four of those. Like, uh, for lack of a better word, because I hate talking about players like this, but it's going to be three or four of those like bottom feeders on the roster. And yeah. I hate using that word because all of these guys are elite. Um, it, you know, they wouldn't be in the NBA if they weren't elite. But it's going to be those type of guys alongside a future pick. And I mean, that makes sense. If you're the Spurs and you don't think that you're going to be able to pay Pirtle, you have no idea like when the Spurs are actually going to be good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they would be able to do there. I, I'm wondering if... Maybe they try and make a simultaneous deal, you know, because they could go out and potentially, let's say they use the DPE or one of their trade exceptions and make a deal happen simultaneously. Because with a trade exception, you can't cobble it together with other money. But you could, let's say, get a three-teamer going on, acquire a player, and basically reroute them to another team at the same time. I think you can make that happen. Or I mean, you can move Gallinari to another team. The Spurs just have so much cap room that you don't want to get a third team involved. 
Yeah, because then you have to throw more assets at it. So it, it yeah. does come back to, like you said, just cobbling together a bunch of contracts. Um, so, look, so that's at the, the end problem. Of the day, so Pertle earns 9.3 million. You want to try, like, you're in the tax, so you want to match that or go over it as best as possible. Mm-hmm. So Vanley's at 1.8, Jackson's at 1.8, there's 3.6, Pritchard's at 2.3, so that's 5.9. And then Blake Griffin will take you to what? Rank close to eight mil. Yeah, you could probably get away with it from there and just kind of pay the extra. I don't think, I don't know how it would work. Who knows? We're not front office guys. Like I said, we're just um, done. I'm a film guy and I know you like your trade. So you can come back to us with a trade at another point. I don't want to like stay on this too much longer. No. But overall, yeah, Jakob Pertl would be a great fit. I think that Mazula would be really good with him as well. I think that having him back and got Rob, knowing that Rob is potentially going to miss more time through the regular season, simply because load management. I'm not saying he's going to get injured again. I'm not saying he's going to re-aggravate anything. But load management, right? You want to keep him fresh. The same as you're, what you're doing with Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon probably could have played against Atlanta, but you don't want to risk it because you need him healthy for the bigger picture. So having somebody like Pertle that could come in, be your main big off the bench, but also be that guy that can step into that starting five, like that gives you a lot more hope. And then you can always pick up a couple of vets on vet minimum deals to fill out the roster once you've given up and you've emptied your bench. To, to acquire him right, you can go and get your Carmelo, you can go and get whoever you need to get to just round out that bench unit. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where we're at with it because until something actually occurs, it's all just conjecture. But it is very interesting conjecture. I don't. I, I guess at the end of the day, if they were to do that, they've got all these trade exceptions that they can use to go out and get other guys, like you said, to fill out that roster. So it's spicy. It's a little tidbit, something worth monitoring. But ultimately, I think this Celtics team is cooking right now, and they're a lot of fun to watch. I uh, did you happen to catch? Jalen Brown's comments when talk about playing in Atlanta. I did catch that. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but it's yeah, it's not I a did. big deal. But at the same time, speaking very I, glowingly about Atlanta, yeah, and like it's not a big deal. He's from Atlanta. He's he's Makes obviously sense. you go back to your hometown, you see family, you see friends, you see people you haven't seen in a year since the last time you played in Atlanta. So you know you probably you're there twice, so you would have been. But at the, my point being is. Knowing what we know about the fact that Jalen Brown is most likely not going to opt into any deal that he's currently got and short of making an All-NBA team, signing a contract extension doesn't make sense. If he makes an All-NBA team, he becomes Supermax eligible. That changes that narrative quite quickly. But assuming Jalen Brown becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2024, you've got to really keep a close eye on Atlanta's money situation at the end of this season and next season mm-hmm. to see whether they're starting to prepare to make him an offer because he's exactly the type of guy that fits in alongside what they're trying to do with Trey and DeJounte Murray. That fast pace, pressure to rim, be able to score from all three levels. Defensively, he's going to give you an extra presence. Could you imagine a starting five of Trey, DeJounte, Jalen Brown, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, or swap out and then or you know you swap out hunter for john collins like i'm wondering if they can afford that though because like what's the money like that gonna be that's what i'm saying you need to watch what moves they're making maybe they do move on from john collins maybe they even move on from deandre hunter but if you start seeing like 
long-term cap space moving moves and they start setting themselves up to have near max money or max money in 2024. It's just something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying that Jaden Brown wants that. I'm just saying that those comments kind of made me sit up and think, I've been looking at Atlanta as a potential candidate to try and steal Jalen away. And these comments are only going to embolden them if they do think that they, one, have a chance of landing him and two, have interest in landing him. And I don't think there should be any doubt that they have interest, right? Because it's Jalen Brown. He's one of the league's best wing players. He's a guy who's clearly had good playoff experience. He knows what it's like to play alongside other all-star you know, superstar level talent and adding him to a team that's in the city that he grew up in, that he loves. He's like, yeah, I think I, I went to school about 15, 20 minutes away from here. So like, it's all very local and that's, I'm very happy that there's not a team in St. Louis because then I'd have to worry about that with Jason Tatum. But this is, this is something that the Celtics have to consider, right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, if Jalen's making moves for his happiness, and he's not feeling happy in Boston, or he thinks that he'd be happier in Atlanta, and they've got the money to make it happen, it, it, it's going to be a narrative. Like People need to be ready for that. It, it's entirely possible that Atlanta tries to make a push for him. It's just something that's going to happen, because Atlanta right now is a very good team. They've got a young core, and they're clearly not afraid to go ahead and throw assets out there in order to improve it. That DeJounte Murray deal, that was a great move for them, I think. So they're going to continue to try and build around Trey Young. And that very well may involve a push for Jalen Brown if they got the money to make it happen. I just wanted to pull it out there because it was something I noticed. And that's part of what we do. We have to keep an eye on all of these discussions. I was a big, I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown's improvements. I think he's had a few bad games this year, a few stinkers. Who doesn't go to work and have a bad day? Who yeah. doesn't sometimes mail it in at work? You know what I mean? Like, that's just part and parcel of being human, right? And, yeah. You know, and Jason Tatum said it really well to begin the year, I think, after their first loss of the season. Like, when we have a bad day at work, we can just go home and forget about it. When they have a bad day at work, millions of people around the world have watched. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I, I definitely took notice of what he said, and I know he wasn't trying to allude to anything, and I, he was just answering a question that had been put to him. But it was very interesting with how much emotion he answered that question. with. Big old yeah. smile. Yeah, big old smile. Love being here. Love being able to be in my city, represent, like play, play show, the, show my hometown some love and have them watch me play and show me love and people are cheering my name and, like if that's the type of reception you get, why wouldn't you want to play there? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like where you're yeah. just a hometown hero coming back. Obviously, it's not LeBron in Cleveland, but you're still a hometown hero. And you know, as Jalen said the other week, I've been a prodigy my whole life. Like people have been waiting on him making the NBA, and now they're just waiting on him coming home. So it's definitely something to watch. I'm not going to read too much into it. It's two years away. Anything could happen in there. I don't know whether winning a championship actually makes it more likely he leaves because then he's achieved what he is set out to achieve. You know, I feel like, I feel like if anything, it would give him reason to stay. I feel like if he didn't win, then there's more criticism and more heat. But I you feel like, like do you, you want to keep it together, you know? Yeah, but like, say you win this year yeah. and then you go to the finals next year, come what may, win or lose, right? You've been to the finals three years in a row. You've got a chip, maybe two. 
now you get an opportunity to go home. I don't know, because, I mean, Kevin Durant had the opportunity to do that, and he did Kevin Durant's just a different cat, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, but again, like, there is the hometown pull. But I've seen this before. We've all seen this before. Yeah. I mean, you've seen talk of DeMar DeRozan constantly. That was a constant thread when he was in free agency of going to play in L.A. for the Lakers. In fairness, no, I mean, in fairness, he thought he'd signed with the Lakers. Yeah. That and is then true. the Lakers went and traded. Like in fairness, like DeRozan was going home. It was the the Lakers decided no West. Well, no, sorry, LeBron decided no Westbrook is more that guy, which was a big mistake. Uh, yeah, that's a good. for them to worry about. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was a good uh, a good discussion to have just as we ran sure. the show. Yeah. With that, if you've made it this far, congratulations! You've made it this far. That that's pretty much the only prize you're going to get. That's Other it. than that. If you are still here, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that turn that notification button on, like it, leave a comment. We like it when you leave comments. I'm trying to be super active there. Follow us on socials. That's all underneath our faces. And we'll be back some point soon. Some point soon? Very soon. I hope. Some point soon. I hope. All right, then. Peace out, y'all. Cheers.